Our podcast reviews well-known movies and contains spoilers. The podcast may contain mature subject matter and mature language. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy the show. Quiet on set. Places, everybody. And action. Welcome, everyone, to the Hooked on Movies podcast. Today, we will be looking at the 2014 psychological thriller, Gone Girl. With me are Ken. Want to test your marriage for weak spots? Add one recession. Subtract two jobs. It's surprisingly effective. And Ted. You two are the most fucked up people I've ever known, and I know fucked up people. Well, thank you very much. I'm Eric. (laughs) Every time you look smug or annoyed or tense, I'm going to hit you. With a gummy bear. That goes with you too, Ken. That's right. We're looking at uh, Gone Gore. Gone Gone Girl. Well, I can't put two words together today. Gone Gore. (laughs) Gargoyle the movie. We're looking at Gone Girl. Ted, give us the details of this one. Gone Girl is directed by David Fincher, has a screenplay by Gillian Flynn. It's based off of the novel Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn. It has a running time of 149 minutes. It was released October 3rd, 2014. It has a budget of $61 million, and it had a box office gross of $369.3 million. Gone Girl stars Ben Affleck as Nick Dunn, Rosamund Pike as Amy Elliott Dunn, Neil Patrick Harris as Desi Collings, Tyler Perry as Tanner Bolt, Carrie Coon as Margot Dunn, Kim Dickens as Detective Rhonda Boney, Patrick Fugit as Officer James Gilpin, Missy Pyle as Ellen Abbott, Emily Rajkowski as Andrea Fitzgerald, Casey Wilson as Noelle Hawthorne, Lola Kirky as Greta, Boyd Holbrook as Jeffrey, Lisa Barnes as Mary Elizabeth Elliott, Celia Ward as Sharon Schreiber, and David Clennon as Randall Elliott. All right, what do the critics think of this one? It's a pretty overall positive. On Rotten Tomatoes, Gone Girl has a certified fresh of an 88% critic score. It has an audience score of 87%, so one of those rare times where they're almost identical. So on the negative side, we have J.R. Jones of the Chicago Reader. He said Gillian Flynn's twist-laden mystery novel gets a somber, respectful screen treatment from David Fincher, which has the unfortunate effect of diminishing the book's diabolical fun and heightening its dull misanthropy. And Hornaday of the Washington Post said, Gone Girl may get the job done as a dutiful, deliberately paced procedural, but it never quite makes the splash it could have as a thoughtful, timely, and thoroughly bracing plunge. But on the positive side, we have Michael Phillips from the Chicago Tribune. He said, it's everything the book was and more. Certainly, in its sinister, brackish atmosphere dominated by mustard-yellow fluorescence, designed to make you squint, recoil, and then lean in a little closer. Peter Travers from Rolling Stone said, David Fincher's shockingly good film version of Gone Girl is the date-night movie of the decade for couples who dream of destroying one another. Expect a stampede to the box office. All right, Ken. It's all you. This one's got an interesting plot. What can you tell us? 
I took this plot from Wikipedia, so it's on the on the fifth wedding anniversary. Writing teacher Nick Dunn returns home to find his wife Amy missing. Her disappearance receives press coverage as Amy was the inspiration for her parents' popular children's book, Amazing Amy. Detective Boney finds poorly conceived evidence of a struggle in the house. The media suspects Nick due to his reaction towards Amy's disappearance. In the past, Amy revealed to Nick that Amazing Amy was a perfected version made up of the real Amy's failures. After losing their jobs in a recession, they moved from New York City to Nick's hometown in Missouri to support his dying mother. Nick became distant with Amy and began cheating on Amy with Andy, one of his students. Forensic analysts of the house uncovers clean bloodstains, indicating a murder. Boney discovers evidence of financial issues, spousal disputes, and Amy's recent desire to acquire a gun. Medical reports indicate that Amy was pregnant, which Nick denies knowing of. Amy and Nick had played treasure hunt games on every wedding anniversary. Amy this year had hidden items purchased with Nick's credit card in the shed, as well as a diary that shows Amy's growing dread and ending with the fear that Nick will kill her. Upon discovering Nick's affair, she had conceived a plan to frame him for her murder. She misrepresented the relationship between herself and Nick by falsifying accounts in her diary. Unbeknownst to Nick, she had befriended her neighbor to tell her stories about Nick's temper and steal her urine to manipulate pregnancy results. She placed supporting evidence of Nick's guilt in the clue spots for the treasure hunt to let the police find them. She also splattered her own blood across the kitchen and cleaned it half-heartedly like Nick would have. She assumed that Nick would be ex- executed for her murder and planned to drown herself. Nick realizes Amy's plan and convinces his twin sister Margot of his innocence. He flies to New York City and hires Tanner Bolt, a lawyer known for representing men accused of killing their wives. Nick also meets Amy's ex-boyfriend, Tommy O'Hara whom Amy had falsely accused of rape. Nick also approaches another ex-boyfriend, the wealthy Desi Collins, against whom Amy had filled a restraining order for stalking, but Desi turns him away. When Amy's campground neighbors rob her, she calls Desi for help, convincing him that she's fled Nick's abuse. Desi agrees to hide her in the lake house. After Andy reveals her at a press conference, Nick appears on a talk show affirming his innocence and apologizes for his shortcomings to lure Amy out of hiding. Boney believes she has enough evidence to arrest Nick for murder, but Bolt gets him out on bail. Amy, realizing that Desi intends to keep her in the house to forcibly rekindle their relationship, Amy then uses Desi's surveillance cameras to help make it appear that he kidnapped and raped her. She slits his throat while they have sex and returns home to Nick covered in Desi's blood clearing Nick of suspicion and framing Desi as the kidnapper after recounting a false account of their altercation to Boney. When Boney brings up the inconsistencies with Amy's account, she retorts by calling her incompetent. Amy tells Nick the truth and admits to Desi's murder, saying that him pleading for her to come back is the man she wants. Nick shares this with Boney, Bolt, and Margot, but there is no evidence of her guilt. Nick intends to leave Amy, but she reveals that she is pregnant, having inseminated herself with Nick's sperm stored at a fertility clinic. Nick reacts violently to Amy's insistence that they should remain married, 
but feels responsible for the child and decides to stay married, despite Margot's qualms. The couple then announce on television that they are expecting a child. The end. Crazy ending, huh? It's almost like a fade to black moment. The whole All right. thing is crazy. It is. It is crazy. All right, Ken. Let's kick it off with you, man. When's the first time you saw this one? This week. His version First time eyes. ever. I think in 2014, I really didn't care for Ben Affleck, and so I was just kind of not really interested in his movies at that time. For me, I saw this one uh, probably a couple years later. I don't remember the exact time, but I, I do remember seeing it at home. How about you, Ted? Theater? Yep, I saw this one Shocking. in the theater. This is David Fincher and Ben Affleck, two of my favorite people. I actually went into this movie not knowing anything about the book. Amazingly enough, in 2014, I don't know, for some reason, the trailers on TV would include music that ended up not being in the movie. And this is one of the ones that I distinctly remember because in the trailer for Gone Girl, they used, I think it was Elvis Costello's version of She, and I really like that song. They He used it in Notting Hill. The trailer wasn't the reason that I went to see the movie, because I like Affleck. He was coming off of directing Gone Baby Gone with his brother as the star, which is another really awesome movie. All right, let's uh, kick off this uh, review here. What do you think of the beginning of the movie, how it starts out? It starts and ends with this that seminal quote about, I want to know what is going on in my wife's mind and I want to crack her head open to find out. Right. It's like, okay, we're in for something here. It's a great and setup it, line. It really it is. It is, because it sets you off balance for his character to start with. And it's actually kind of a, a little bit of a jerk thing to say. Here again, and we've talked about this in Fight Club, and we talked about this in Taxi Driver, about the unreliable narrator. But this isn't an unreliable narrator. This is a purposefully manipulative narrator. It's a different take on that whole idea where Rosamund Pike's character, Amy, is taking you on a trip that's not 100% false, but the narrative is not correct. It just it sets you up because after hearing him say that, you're like, well, that's weird. I love that storytelling device. So does that first scene with him saying that, is that her saying it in his words? Because you have two different shots. Yeah, the one at the beginning and the one at the end, because it's at two different times. It's not the same scene. I thought it was the same scene. No, they look totally different. Yeah, it is a different scene. So I wonder if one is on the basis of setting him up to look like the bad guy at the beginning, and the other one to kind of make us realize why he really said it. It's two different looks at it, and that's why it's two different looks of her. It's kind of an interesting bookend at at start to finish. After we know everything that happens at the end, it is completely different, and it's actually kind of a profound statement. Whereas at the beginning, yeah, definitely, it sets him up to be the villain. Yeah, because the first half of the movie is establishing, did he do this? Oh, it sets him up to be that he did it. (laughs) But we're left with doubt. But the combination of what she is saying and what's in her diary and his reactions, like he's in the uh, police station and he hums the thing to... For law and order. So it makes him seem like he doesn't care. I mean, even when the cops first come to the house, he's just kind of sitting 
in the kitchen, la di da di da, doesn't seem to be a care in the world and says, yeah, I came home. This is what I saw. His reactions along with her narrative paint him to be uncaring, mm-hmm. unloving, and she's probably dead because of the fact that we have a blood stain. We have a cat is out on the loose. We have a broken uh, table. We have all this stuff. I think it's interesting watching the detective go to the little places and put like a little sticky note on where she's like, hmm, that doesn't look right. The detective comes off as being very smart at first, I thought. But then as the movie goes along, they kind of don't make her out being that smart. I mean, they go back and forth with it. Sometimes she thinks logically, like, why would anybody partially burn a little bit of the diary, but not the whole diary? But then she goes back and arrests him a couple scenes later. Well, in her defense, we have to look at what pressures are on her as a detective. Now this has national coverage. This is now on the equivalent to what Nancy Grace is covering this case. This is now under the spotlight. This police department has the brightest lights that have ever been shown on it. So the pressure is ramped up to a thousand to get this wrapped up. So you have that on top of every single piece of evidence that keeps popping up proves his guilt. Considering everything that's happened, I think she held out longer than some cops would have. There's a lot of circumstantial evidence that you can make an arrest on. Oh, definitely. She doesn't know if this dude's a flight risk. We know that he's from the town, but he also lived in New York. It's amazing the fact that he's able to get out of St. Louis and travel to New York to get the lawyer. That was a feat all of its own. What kind of town is this? I'm well, I know this by... town. It's you suburban St. Louis, isn't it? I know this is town. It, this is, is it a Carson. small town? Is it a yes. small town? They have a big homeless problem with a bunch right. of homeless people that are in a, what is that, a mall or something like that? An old where people mall. sell guns and things of that nature. They have a detective that is very wise in the art of murder or disappearance. It just seems a little weird for a small town type of feel. Okay. For one, it was filmed in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. I've been to Cape Girardeau. This is a small town that sits on the Mississippi River. Some of the clues that I was able to take, instead of being like Cape Girardeau was south of St. Louis, this seems to be a little bit more north of St. Louis. The reason I said that is my hometown NBC affiliate, WGEM, has one of the satellite trucks that's parked along the street. Not all small town detectives are bumbling idiots. I think that she's pretty well-versed. I don't know if it's necessarily a homeless problem. What they have is a drug problem. And it's very common in these small towns now, especially in the last 10 to 15 years, where the mall has died. Because stores like Walmart have killed malls in small towns, along with Amazon. That was the death of the small town mall. If you're in this area of Missouri slash Illinois along the Mississippi... There is a major drug problem that is occurring. The opioid crisis does not just happen in Ohio and Pennsylvania and West Virginia. It's alive and well in Missouri and Illinois, too, as well as methamphetamine, even though they don't really get into that. There's homeless people walking around the bar when he gets out in the morning. Sure, but 
Don't they talk about there's even more murders out there? Yeah, this police department has seen an uptick, no doubt, in violent crime based off of the opioid and meth crisis that's hit some of these states. Like my hometown, not as severe, but it has had an uptick in murders and crime and stuff based off of these different factors as well. And even no Much my... less now that Ted has left. Yeah, exactly. This is supposed to be North Carthage, Missouri, is where this is set. My city would be a little bit bigger, but these smaller towns along the Mississippi are facing a lot of these same problems. It's very accurate as to what these towns are facing as far as the economic crisis, especially coming out of the housing crisis in 2008, which impacts Amy and Nick in New York. I mean, this is a really accurate portrayal of what life along the Mississippi is like. So Amy is based on a famous children's book. So isn't it weird that the local police would still be on the case even when it's a national issue? No, because it's not a national. Are you talking about the FBI? Because they, they the eventually F- come in later on, but I because mean, she's but... missing. So here's the thing where things get cloudy: because the FBI has to be invited by the local jurisdiction to come in to investigate a missing persons case. So they come in only when asked. At the time, her and Detective Boney and her sidekick, her partner, are doing a really good job of this. But the moment the spotlight gets put on, that's when the pressure gets ramped up. I guarantee you we don't see it, but they've been told to wrap this up. Because she is famous, her parents come to town and immediately apply the pressure by setting up a website, setting up the hotline, setting up... Headquarters in town. Yeah, Exactly. All of this gets ramped up to 11, and I think she does a really good job of stopping the pressure by saying this doesn't look right. It's her partner who's like, he's guilty of sin. I don't know why we just don't lock him up and throw away the key immediately. And she's like, just pump the brakes. But it gets to the point where after they find that stuff in the woodshed, there's no way they can't yeah, charge even him. That takes like a couple of days for them to go ahead and take that anonymous tip and do something with it. Well, that. it's all part of Amy's plan, though. She's exactly. got this thing calculated on the calendar as to play it out. This is the part of the story, too, that plays out day by day. Later in the story, it starts skipping days into weeks and things like that. What I don't she know about does the here. It says it at the bottom of the screen. Well, I get that, but it's it's day by day from the abduction through a couple weeks, and then it resets itself when she is officially gone. No, I get that, but I'm saying like the first couple days seem like it's much much longer. The way they play it out doesn't seem like it's all happening. I'm I'm not saying, of course, real time because real time would be a very long movie. It's only day two or day three. It's felt like it's been a lot longer. A lot happens. See, there's a series on A&E that's called The First 48. It's yeah, the, under that. the Yeah, under the idea that if a missing person or a murder case isn't solved within the first 48 hours, there's a high probability it's going to go cold. And because those are the most critical times. So it makes sense the way it's paced that there would be more concentration on the first couple of days. And also, too, you have to remember... As we're getting these bits of information on these days that are going by, it's also being cut with her narrative that she's putting into the fake diary. 
and that's where we get all the background flashbacks and stuff about yeah. her and his relationship so it does seem like it's longer but as far as the investigation goes they're I pretty think it's very efficient. realistic the investigation yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's a little maybe too lenient. Well, I mean, but even when they have find the blood in the house and they determine it was her blood and that she was pregnant, the amount of evidence that they need is, like you said, it's kind of amazing that he gets to go to St. Louis. Is yes. it St. Louis that he goes That's to? That's weird. Yeah, St. He, Louis, he, he flies, flies out, out of St. Louis to New York. Yeah, he flies out of St. Louis to New York. Okay. This is the one aspect I agree with you 100%. The moment that they got the test results back and the luminol lit the kitchen up like it was Christmas He should have been time. arrested at that point. Well, not necessarily arrested. They would have brought him in for his interrogation. That's where a small town police department, if they do this right, that's where they will talk to, in Illinois, I think it's the, the Illinois Bureau of Investigation, where these people are trained in interrogations. This is where they will put the screws to somebody. That's where you end up with having a Brendan Dassey situation where you can get the false confessions. In that particular situation, I agree with you 100%. It probably would have went a little bit different. But I think she's a really good detective. You know, she's taking a wait-and-see approach and holding people off for as long as she can to the point when it all comes down the pike, her stance ends up getting her in trouble. But we look at the ex-boyfriend, Neil Patrick Harris. We have him showing up to that find Amy thing, and nobody seems to Nick notice does. him. Does Nick know what he really he, looks like? Yeah, he knows, but he's got the sunglasses on. He's like, is that Desi? But come on, come on, we knew that he was. And she even says to him, don't worry, we're going to know everybody that comes in and out of this place. Don't worry about that. And then he walks right in and walks right out with no problem whatsoever. It just seems a little weird about Well, that. all you're see, doing is signing a book. Well, if you're signing a book, aren't they going to see his name on there? Or is he going by oh, a, yeah. a, He's there to help, but how does he help? He goes in there to sign a he book and He wants to search. He wants Probably to search. out there helping with the search. Yeah. He wants to search. We don't ever see it. This is part of the brilliant part of this movie. They're building this up that Nick is 100% guilty, but we end up finding out that it's Desi. We know she's alive. And she reaches out to Desi. That's where me as a viewer, I immediately thought she was in great danger. It happens all the time. It is one of the most crazy things ever. If somebody kidnaps somebody and kills them, inevitably they try to insert themselves into the search or into the whole milieu of the investigation. It happens time and time again, and that's how these guys get caught. So when Desi shows up there, and you're like, oh my god, he was inserting himself into the search? She's in danger at this point. He's crazy. He's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah, but not even and the parents even is he? that he's there. I mean, and they know him. They went to high school together, the high school sweethearts. Do you think that the parents would have recognized him? He's right there out in the open. She left that and went down to the river. I don't think she had left at, at that particular time. I mean, Nick was still there. There's no indication that she was already at the river by the time he showed up. I think she should have seen that he was there. It's a, there it's should a have been point at this point in the movie. Well, here's the thing. Before the scene, they're sitting around talking about mm -hmm. all the guys that she has that has created this drama. But they're not looking for any of these guys to pop up. I mean, if they're doing such a great job... 
they will be looking out for these guys that have caused her problems in the past. But they're not doing any investigation on past boyfriends. They're not going after mm. the one that raped her or the one that had mental illness because she broke up with him. None of that's happening, and it should be happening. Because that's the first thing that they should have done was gone after those two guys. You're exactly right. This is also relatively reality. As good as she is, they are limited as well. Because what happens, all of a sudden, everything gets very narrow and closed in on one particular suspect. This happens in re real life as well. It's a very well-based-in-reality type of a story because the narrative that's being told and then we find out that amy is manipulating the whole thing but she's read all of these books i mean they showed all these true crime books that she was reading she set the narrative perfectly that what was going to happen this is not a big time police department they've only really got two detectives working the case so the moment that they start to narrow in on nick everybody else kind of falls into the periphery and that's what she's expecting to happen and it happens in real life all the time but the detective shows self-doubt she doubts that he might be guilty she sees things that she's unsure of it's not like she's like i'm gonna nail this guy to the wall she doesn't have that out for him i mean her partner does he doesn't matter in the least but she really thinks that there's a chance that he might be innocent in this and if that's the case i would think she would look up the other two and call them in at least for questioning. Say, hey, we would like to talk to you because of this situation. It seems that just would come and say, where were you on this? Yeah, what is your don't, alibi? We don't get but, that. But you just said most times in a kidnapping, the kidnapper is going to put themselves into that spot. They're not even looking for that. And I'm granted, like you just said, well, they're small. But that just tells me that they really aren't doing a good job because they can't do a good job because they're so limited. They're limited. And it's not that they're not doing a good job. They end up becoming victims of circumstance. Because when you have all of this evidence that's starting to pile up against Nick, it's going to be very hard for her to rail against the rising tide of evidence against him. They should have brought at least Desi in for, or, or went to him to garner an alibi about where he was. Unfortunately, I've listened to so much true crime and watched so many things about true crime. This is the sort of thing that it happens time and time again. And, and people are like you are shocked at how often this happens. And that's why we have false confessions. That's why there are innocent people who get put away for crimes that they didn't commit. And Amy is banking on this because she knows what kind of spotlight is going to be put on this, especially when it comes back that she had tested positive to be pregnant. I mean, at that moment in time, that's missing white girl syndrome. And then that's a real thing. And then you get like the Nancy Grace knockoff they put into this movie that just takes this to the stratosphere and this whole thing from start to finish here is similar to scott peterson out in california but it's weird like you just mentioned that they find out that she's pregnant she takes a lady's urine right a lady who's what seven or eight months pregnant i mean the girl's huge right she's still gonna still gonna test positive they don't have ways of testing positive and knowing how many months they are along. no I read no. somewhere in the, that they can tell by blood and urine how well you know, they're how not far taking. They are they're not. They're not testing blood. They're testing. Well, they had, well, they had the, the blood. Well, no. What they the did urine. was that they got her medical record, and she had had a positive pregnancy test. 
they weren't going to necessarily test the blood. There had to be a lot of water, though, in that urine. They wouldn't usually allow for that kind of testing with all that water in there, would they? She took the top off the tank and drained the tank. How does she steal his sperm later? I I guess I'm all confused about Because they were trying to have a kid. Nick went to the fertility clinic, did his thing, and he gets the letter back saying that they were going to destroy the sample. Mm -hmm. And he gives the letter to Amy, and she plays it off where she throws it in the garbage. She probably responded to have him save the sample, and then she went back in and had herself artificially inseminated. Would they have a record (laughs) of that? What do you mean? Getting the sperm out of the sperm bank? Yeah, but it doesn't matter at that point because he's not going to leave. She's got him. He has to know that's the only way. When did she have time to do all this? So she had to do it after... As she was preparing? After she murdered Neil Patrick Harris's character. She had to do it after the fact. Are you talking about getting inseminated? Yes. Okay, this is where there's time jumps. And their life is starting to get back to what is quote-unquote normal. Most likely he's going to work again, which is his bar. She has time that's not going to be accountable for him and so yeah she goes and she gets herself inseminated gets it there after the fact doesn't matter if she got inseminated there because she's got him by the the balls literally he's told her he's gonna leave her i guess i'm missing the time jump i I don't know if that's documented in the movie how much longer in between because just because you get inseminated doesn't mean you're guaranteed pregnancy in fact they had been trying and failing left and right Okay, so that's why they gave up. The time when the Nancy Grace lady, I, her name is Ellen Abbott, I think, or whatever, when she comes to do the interview with Nick and Amy, there has nine, I believe, nine weeks has passed since she came home because he's told her once the last truck leaves, I'm out of here. Because if he leaves, a lot of questions are going to be asked, and that's why she has to have him there. But yeah, I think it's nine weeks. It's either seven or nine weeks is what the little thing in the bottom left-hand side of the screen says as a counter, because it starts to skip every single time. Even Nick says, because this is where he kind of becomes a narrator too, and he's like, things have started to get back to whatever normal is, and then his lawyer leaves. There's time jumps between each one of those events. Yeah, she goes and gets herself inseminated because she knows that he's not going to leave the kid because based off of how his dad treated the family. So a question, we we saw that he got this letter before she went missing, right? From the sperm clinic, right? Yes. They still held it because if she went and got it, how would she be able to preserve it? They kept it at the clinic. The, so they did really destroy weird right direction, guys. Really well, I'm just direction. trying to understand I mean, how she still got pregnant. I think we're reading time, into this a little too much. A lot <laughs> of the time that went by where they said they were going to destroy it, and they never did. It wasn't. It not, could it be a backup crazy, plan. It's not a crazy amount of time. It's a matter right. of like maybe three or four months. It's not okay, that long. you mentioned a backup plan. What is her main plan in this? Is she really planning to kill herself? No. Well, okay. it's on her calendar. It's she has a calendar. sticky note that says, yeah. kill yourself. So when she gets robbed by the bumpkins in Branson there, which do a phenomenal job of playing the meth head oh, yeah. parts. Oh, I mean, yeah. the sore on the lip. And I mean, it is yep. perfect. So when they rob her, her plan is completely topsy-turvy now. I don't think she was yeah. ever going to call Desi. Desi was a backup. 
Desi was a, okay, Panic. I have no money to my name now. All I have are quarters. How am I going to get out of this? And she kills poor Desi. If she was going to she kill gets... herself to begin with, why would she carry that much money with her? What is she saving the money for? I mean, if she's going to kill herself. Maybe she's going to fake her own death. You know, like she said, she's going to throw herself in the Gulf of Mexico and let the sharks get her. I mean, we're supposed to believe that she is going to kill herself because it's on her calendar. It is right. It is I don't question her plan. what she says. I don't trust a word she has to say. Yeah. At that point. Well, we trust her on everything else she has to say up to this point. Up to it's that point this. where we find out she's not dead. But we trust everything she's saying to herself once we see her in that car driving along all the plan that right. she has to do, right? But we can't trust even that because I'm sure she's just wavering. Because at the end of the day, she wants to see him. Exactly. Probably, yes. probably killed. She wants, she's wants, not she wants to see him get lethal ejection. He's not going to get executed, though, without a body. Oh, They're you want to bet? Yeah, don't you have Do to you prove want to actual murder? No. No. No, no, okay. no, no, no. You can get convicted without Even a body. Even in Missouri, it is, you don't need a body. It is, it is, it is extremely hard, but oh, you can totally be convicted without a body. I'm not saying you can't be convicted, but you're talking about a death sentence. and get death sentence, yeah, without a body. Well, oh, yeah. I could be wrong, but I don't think I've ever seen it before. It's definitely it's I can't quote you case off the top of my head, but uh, right, yeah. I've I've listened to so much true crime stuff. I it, it, it's, they barely it's can happened. arrest him without a body, but they can give him a oh, chair because they're they, you know, they're well they're, they're, they're kind of taking it's their what time the there. See, this yeah. is all part of it too, because it ultimately that part of it is out of the cops' hands. That's the district attorney, and the pressure on that district attorney to go for the death penalty. This is the Scott Peterson part of it. You have a pregnant woman. They know that she's been murdered based off of the amount of blood loss that was, quote unquote, in the kitchen. She's gone. And all of the evidence points to him. The pressure on that DA to go for the death penalty. There's no way he's not going for the death penalty. And you know what? Peterson is innocent. And there is no way in hell you're going to tell me that there's a jury, especially in Missouri, that's not going to convict his ass right down the line. I'm not going to say he's not going to be convicted, but let's go back to the blood. You brought up the blood. So there's a lot of blood, but somehow she has the energy of a 12-year-old. She should be somewhat oozy or or just not with it. She gave what would normally be what she would do when you go to donate blood. Uh, she I gave her a little bit more than a pint. You're right. She should have like passed out from the amount of blood she lost. It was coming out intravenously. It wasn't like she slit her wrist and she's like, you know, throwing right. blood. But you're right. She should have been a little. I mean, that was a lot of blood on the, that she spread out on the floor. And they even said that the amount of blood was there was a serious amount of blood. It was a serious right. amount of blood. For that, she should have been not able to do all the things that she did in that short period of time. If she had a whole day, maybe. But she only had, what, a couple hours from when he left and came back? It's it's hard to tell exactly. I think they said the he came back like hours. 11 o'clock in the morning or something like that. So I'm going to assume three hours. And that's to do the blood, to set up the table toss, to throw the, the thing into the furnace. I thought she so had, much to go. I, I thought she had been taking blood little bits at a time. No, no, she did it all and at she, once. She had it uh, draining into a bucket. But Lise would have had a light head. A little light, yeah. But she had a lot of this all set up. I mean, the the, beforehand. the, the book was probably in the furnace for a couple of weeks or days yeah. prior. Everything. No, I'm not talking about that in the furnace. I'm talking about the, um, the post or something like that. Like that she, it was the, yeah. she burned. It was the handle for the Punch and Judy dowels. Yeah. 
She did a great job. She was smart enough to even put what they consider blowback streaks on yeah. the up above there because that's what they had the little that's called splatter marks. Yeah, they're called yeah. splatter marks because when you hit somebody over the head and the blood starts to go, when you come back, blood flies off as you come back. And so she was smart enough to even put back splatter. Remind me not to be alone her. with Ted. I've listened to so much. It's sure you have, Ted. shockingly yeah. amount of a shocking amount of true crime. Yeah. But, the cat was the great thing. I mean, you leave the door open the and cat the cat only the, goes... The cat only goes out to the front yard and just hangs out and has a neighbor call you so you can come back. Yeah, but how you figure a cat will just sit you know what I, you know what I thought that it? scene that scene was such a great buildup because I'm like, why would his neighbor call the bar in the morning? So and know small he's town. there. Yeah, it, I know you're he like owns the bar. He well, owns the bar. we know that now, right? But at the time, you didn't. You're yeah. thinking to yourself, and you didn't know Margo. You didn't know that was a sister. I mean, he. Oh, I thought that there. was a flame or something. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. He's just yeah. walking in, drinking. I'm like, wow, man, you are an alcoholic. If the neighbors knows where you are at whatever in the morning, yeah, it's he, it's that's a great so, buildup. It really is. It's, it's just such a small town thing. You know? I don't have a problem with the with the neighbor calling him and stuff. I have more of a problem that the cat just hangs out in the front yard and just waits. There's got to be a good half an hour, forty minutes of that. But the cat's just chilling, and that's got to be some cat. He's not probably an outdoor cat, or he wouldn't be calling in the first place. Right. You know, if He's a we good all cat. have had pets, if we let one of our dogs, our cats out, they're gone. They're going to explore. It's lucky for her she knew her cat as well as she did. I love the uh, the breakdown in this movie with Boney. You know, she's coming in there and she's talking with him about this is staged and staged poorly. You know, she like jumps mm-hmm. up and down and the photos fall. Right. And he's like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And she's just like, this is just completely staged. This is just horrible. And everything is against you, man. Isn't that when he throws the glass? He finds out that she is pregnant. Right. It puts an impression into the detective's minds that God, he has an explosive personality. Well, the credit card stuff with all the stuff that is bought. Why is that a concern of theirs about the high credit card debt? I'm not motive. sure. That particular, motive for what? They increased the amount of life insurance to $1.2 oh, okay. million. That makes mm-hmm. sense. He's $120,000 in credit card debt. And they were broke to begin with. Right. They were I'm on buying their... all this stuff. I hide it in the shed. The wife's dead. Leasing... I cash in. 100000 in cash, probably, in her little satchel there. Oh, no, no. That's not $100,000 in cash. It's, it's oh, probably ten grand. She does not have hundred grand anywhere near I, that. I don't know. It looked like a um, lot of money. And granted, how did they know that, that she had a lot of money to begin with when that satchel fell? It didn't show any money falling out. Yeah, there was money that fell onto the ground. I didn't see any money. The, the one thing good. about that but, scene, which I which I I love, is when the uh, the two the bumpkins. I'm just going to call them for lack of a better phrase here, when they the confront her to rob her, and they kind of go in there, and they're like, "Hey, they're not bumpkins now. I mean, they are bumpkins, yes, but they're shrewd. I I love how oh, they yes. analyze her, like that cheap hair dye, and hey, I called you by your name several times, you didn't even answer. But she's watching the special with her. About her being missing. Oh, they don't know who she is. And she doesn't when know she who goes, she is. When she they goes, she hey, is, I'm going to call they the know cops. She's on her own. Yeah, yeah, when she goes, hey, well, as soon as you guys leave, I'm going to call the cops. They're like, you're not going to call the cops. cops. You're hiding something. And that's when they start exactly. analyzing the hair. You're not who you say you are, and you've probably never been hit. Bam. Holy shit. They could have just killed her right there. It's not like she's got such a great difference of appearance. Uh, I mean, you've seen her all the time. 
on these specials. And then she goes to the casino and people see her with her ex-boyfriend. And nobody can put one and one together and figure that that's her. Especially after the murder where you know they're going to post his picture and her picture. They're going to know. Her picture, definitely, but not that. They're not going to post his picture showing that he died? No. Oh, Once he died... Why don't? Oh, why doesn't anybody? You mean, come you mean Desi? Desi's a nut job. Desi's got problems. I know that. But you know what? I am on side Desi here. I know you're not Ted, but I am on no. side Desi here. Uh, yeah, he had some issues. <laughs> yeah, he was a little a, controlling. He's a victim. I'm not going to discount total, the fact that he's a victim. She killed him for no oh, reason yeah. whatsoever. But he's also yeah. a predator too. No, oh, he's yeah. not. He's, he's not a predator. Yeah, he no, was never going to let her go. He left the house and <laughs> go get clothes and foods. She could have left any time she wanted. Are we playing the Stockholm Syndrome go? card here? Hey, that's not his go? problem. Okay? He's obsessed with her, and she is thrilled. Mm-hmm. She is taking him for a ride again. No. He well, is the victim. I, I, he is she, not a predator. <laughs> no. He's definitely she, a predator. No, he's not. Mm-mm. I don't think that she had the plan to kill him immediately. I think that when she sees Nick do the interview with the NBC news lady, Schreiber or something, I think is what her name was, where Nick knocks that interview out of the park, she falls for him again. And see, Desi's watching her that whole time that they're oh, watching the special he's together. freaking out. And he... Of course he is. He, he he's going to get away from her. She's still yes, he young. Yeah. He's like grabbing and turns the TV yeah. off. He is not a good guy. He, I didn't say and... he's a good guy. He's controlling, <laughs> but not he's saying... not a predator. He's a he's a victim. Yeah. It's at that moment he becomes her victim. She kind of combines both of the plans from the guy who was quote unquote raped her. What Nick? She, well, she's, Nick. He puts a lot of pressure on her, though. Makes it sound like <laughs> it's going to be crisis. different. Well, it's truly. He says to her, "I'm not going to force myself on you." But that's that his is normal one of the mentality. Most, that's one of the most uncomfortable things. He goes, "I'm not going to force myself on you." I but said, he's "Wow, kissing really? her, that's... he's touching her, he's making moves on her, and she's only there for a day, and he's already no, she's there for two or three days." See, this is where they, yeah, this is where they start to jump a little bit of time. I'm talking about the first night, though. He takes her to her to the room. Oh yeah. And he kisses her, I think, on the forehead. And I think yep. that's when he says, I'm not going to force myself on her. That's day right. one. Yeah, and the whole thing. Right. She could have put a steak knife through his chest within hours of that. She, but she, she but is pure evil. She needed somewhere. Pure she needed. Oh, evil. she is. Oh, yeah. She is, yeah. She's the villain of this whole story. Yeah. There is no doubt about it. And what does Desi <laughs> do for a living, man? That guy's got all the He's got to be a gadgets. lawyer or something, doesn't he? All the but gadgets, his, man. I think he's a lawyer, but I, he comes from money, though. They're like an Upper West Side New York family. It all makes kind and of sense. And we do not know enough about their relationship to know if he was this way when <laughs> they were dating that actually made her go a little crazy. What made her this psychotic? Was it the book by her parents? Didn't help. Well, I'm sure the book didn't help. And, but I think these things added on. You have the, the boyfriend that tries to distance himself from her. And so she feels Dude, all he wanted to do was ghost himself, and she screwed his life up. Oh, big time. But who knows what Neil Patrick Harris did to his character. It might be like a Barney character from How I Met Your Mother. I mean, we don't really know, but we know that he's obsessed. He had a mental breakdown when she broke it off with him because he may have been that obsessive. 
Yeah. And it may oh, have I, triggered something she, in her. She kept the relationship going by still writing to him and staying in communication. Oh, yeah. Sometimes yeah. bad relationships, a yeah, man that's or a woman too. will continue that conversation because they're the first real, let's say, boyfriend or girlfriend that they had. And they go back to what they know. They go back to that first relationship that they had. You yeah, know, that's I, true, too. It's not uncommon for that to happen. I think... If Ben Affleck's character didn't come back on TV and say all those things that he does, she's going to kill him anyway. Yeah. After I, she no, marries him, he gets I, the money. She, she would come up with any type of scheme. Desi would agree with anything she said. Yeah. If she said, if hey, she... you know what? I was abducted by hillbillies. They kept me for months. Hey, I was recovered in the river. Desi found me or whatever. He would go along with anything. He is infatuated with her. But oh, for yeah, whatever reason, you know, nutjob Amy sees him on the TV and says, oh, I, that's my fantasy man now. If you're going to go that she was going to kill him anyway, it would have been after It would have she... taken some time. I think she would have became a prisoner in his house. Most no, likely. she would have manipulated him. Completely they would have manipulated each other. She I was think, just playing I've the game. Some... Playing the game. Well, we saw her play the game. All of a sudden, she's turned the switch on and she's this seductress. And he mm-hmm. bites him on the lip. I mean, he was yeah. a little taken back oh, by yeah. that. I'd be like, yeah. is it? what the heck? I've been like, oh, cool. Let's, let's get it on right now. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> so well, we know more about Ken now than a <laughs> no, little no, bit more than I wanted. I'm, I'm in trouble. Because he's already kind of laying everything out for her. And he's telling her it's going to be different this time. Because yeah. he is rich. Because yeah. he's got yeah. power. Because yeah. she has nowhere to go. He she is has gonna nowhere keep her. else to go at this time you know what the cameras were for not to tell her she was safe but to tell her that he's got eyes he's on watching her at all her. times yeah. he's watching her a little bit that's of both. what it was yeah. a little bit of both he's no it's not a little bit of both it's all about him having control that's what he needed he's... he never had control before and now he's got it and he's not going to let it go okay Ken, they've been there the whole oh, time they've been there which kind of alludes to premeditation oh that... come on <laughs> Premeditation? I, I mean, oh my goodness. He's not 100% sane. Yeah. That does not change the fact that yeah. he's a victim, but he is a predator. And how does she go to the hospital? She leaves the hospital with all that blood still on All her. the blood on still on and her. And she has yeah. like the press conference. Yeah. She's got all her neck. I'm like, did she like cut her neck intentionally? They just didn't wipe any of the blood off her. I'm like, what the hell? I guess a that champagne bottle is a really um, good thing to use if you want to say that somebody raped you. How about you? that? I did not know that. That, and, which takes the hammer to her cheek. That was uncomfortable. And how Desi dies is... <laughs> Very, oh, my goodness. You see the really dumb look on his face, though, afterwards, Dude. though? Like, he's bleeding oh, there, yeah. but the, his it's... face reaction is hilarious it's actually okay funny. i'm gonna tell you man it is uncomfortable but oh my god i could not take my eyes off of it it's yeah i don't want to say it was erotic but it was it, it really it kind of really was. i'm like <laughs> yeah well, we know a little yeah. bit more about eric a little now, bit so. more about yeah. eric it is perfectly choreographed it does everything that it's supposed to and do. yes ken to to answer your question i would think that the cameras would be time stamped but we're probably overthinking it if you want to say that there's a part here where things kind of get stupid, but no, slightly unbelievable is after Desi gets killed. And I don't doubt that this has probably happened. I think it's because of all of the pressure that's on the situation. I think if they want they to wrap it let, up, if, if exactly the nice white girls and, back home. Yeah, but the happens, press wouldn't let this go. go. This would be juicy stuff but if they she have actually what, killed him. 
that's not necessarily the case either because they have their happy ending. And so is Desi. Yeah, in a really wow, yeah. <laughs> Maybe she's pregnant with this child. I mean, come on, no. he did find semen. So he did come yeah, on on Eileen. Would that be funny though if it is his child? No, it's Gone yeah, Girl it's too. Not. Yeah, dun, dun, dun. but Amy plays the victim so perfectly too because perfectly, she's though. a she's a sociopath clearly and she has no sympathy whatsoever for anything that she's done nope it's like what tyler perry says about a sociopath it's the ones that act like they should act that are the ones that you should be worried about right and she does and his character that's what's is scary incredible and i mean i'm not a tyler perry fan that much because you know the stupid madeira movies that he does lowers himself down to just nothing he's brilliant there are some movies that he is just brilliant is a great word to use and this is one of those movies where he is brilliant in it i wish he did more movies like this yes because in my opinion he could be as significant as jordan peele is as far as a movie maker and as an actor i think that he could be right up there with him I understand the cultural significance of Tyler Perry, but I think he's above a lot of that material that he's put out because he is really, really talented. You guys don't think, though, the media wouldn't like dig deeper into this? I just think the media would. <sighs> it's hard to say. One, because she plays everything so perfectly, and the police department... And, and Nick possibly... is playing along with it. They don't know what's happening behind the doors, where they're not sleeping right. in the same room. And he's like, and you know, I fucking hate you. Yeah. I don't want anything to do with you. But on camera, it's all hold hands, lovey-dovey. Anybody can leak it to the press that there was something shady there. Who would have leaked easier. it? Her sister. Gonna... It could have been him. It could have been Margo? the detective. Yeah. Because Margot doesn't like this situation. She's very no, upset Margo with him at the it. end. Yeah. Margot should be totally afraid of what Amy's going to do next. She is as held hostage as Nick is as far as this whole thing goes. Because Amy would do anything. She almost had her for accessory to murder. Because it wasn't only Nick that was going to go up the river for this. Margot was going to go up the river right with him. The only person who could go die on this hill is Detective Boney. And it seemed to me, that based off of how everything went here, yeah. she became yeah. scorched earth from the department. They basically humiliated her and ruined all of her credibility to the press. Now, granted, may have there been somebody years later that would have come back to her and, and asked her, her side of the story, very possible, but they wrapped up Desi's murder really quick. The questions that Detective Boney was asking, these are going to be the same questions that the media is going to ask. She's not going to be the only one that's going to think of these situations. She's not the only one that's going to think, where did you get the box cutter if your hands were always tied up? There's just too many things that are, is out there, along with the fact that she was in a casino with him. In this day and age, especially in a casino where you have videotape left and right all over the place, and they were both there. I don't disagree with you, but if they're doing this where they're wrapping it up as fast as possible, they don't want any blood on their hands. They already believe that they've screwed this up, that she's been abducted. Let's say that guy that they that talks to them in the casino, let's say he does call up the North Carthage Police Department and says, hey, I saw Desi and... 
Amy together in this casino. Wasn't that and... guy, though, from the um, Branson Resort? No, this was just the guy that was in the casino. The casino. Right, the one he saw he him, and he said, hey, no, we're from Winnipeg. Yeah. Didn't he notice her from when she was at the place in uh-uh. Branson? No, he no. just noticed her there. But it would have hmm. been real easy if that person, if he calls into the police department, if they're trying to wrap this up where they don't want to get sued, it sounds like that that's kind of what they're trying to do, cover their, in CYA, covering their ass. It would be real easy for them to just dismiss that report and, and not even follow it up. Don't think that that hasn't happened in some true crime cases as well. I just think that there was just too much out there. She was too exposed to a lot of people at a lot of times. She bought the car with cash. That guy could easily said, yeah, she bought this car with cash. I saw her. There was no disguise. Well, she bought it off Craigslist. I mean, she still met the guy, and we see a scene where they actually exchange yeah. money. Her disguise is not good. She cuts her hair and dyes it and wears glasses. Here's the thing. Well, she had bought the car before she cut her hair and everything. She bought the car leading up where she faked her own death. You're also giving a lot of credit to eyewitness testimony. If you do a little bit of research, eyewitness testimony is considered by many professionals to be the least actionable evidence out there. Because we had talked about this a few episodes ago, where if you buy a car, you start to see that car all over the place. Yeah, it's true. The same thing happens with these missing person cases, where let's say it goes on to America's Most Wanted, for a lack of a better of example here. What they're doing when they put that out there is they're casting as wide of net as possible. So they can immediately eliminate a lot of these quote-unquote sightings. There are people that still say they see Elvis today. Except, though, in the casino. Because in the casino, that one guy... He legitimately sees them. What I'm saying is it's real easy if this police department is doing a cover-your-their-ass tour, like it seems like they're doing... The casino themselves would take the initiative to even look at their tapes. Not at all. They are not giving that information up. You're going to have to subpoena those tapes. Those who are listening, guess what? You're going to be able to do this very easily because nobody wants to do their job. Think about it. So that's not the case at all. She leaves Branson... She goes to the gas station. She calls Desi. Meet me at a casino. What did she do to the car? She abandoned Left it. Left it in a parking she, lot. Yeah, abandoned She wiped it, it uh, clean. Yeah, wiped it clean. I'm sure the plates were still the old owner's plates. Well, I don't the, think she the, registered probably would it. Probably contact the old owner probably as well. Because that car is an eyesore, right? It's got like yeah. some type of design, painting, or but whatever what it is have, on the windshield. Here's what would have happened. They might have contacted him, but if they don't get anything, it's just going to sit on an impound lot forever. If Unless he comes and reclaims it. If it's even his plates. They might we never see plates. a plate. Oh, I we saw never the plates. I saw Missouri plates, plates oh, on do? it. Okay. Yeah. When she so, was packing the car up when she was yeah. leaving the Ozark. You would think that she would go out of state, but, you know, and that the, she wouldn't stay. So I don't think it's close well, by because you're but, thinking, we're well, thinking but this think is, about it's it, about though. three and a half hours, four but hours she's away. very kind of upscale, kind of elite. Mm-hmm. Why would she end up in the Ozarks? That's nah, one she, of the last places you would think. She, uh, no, Nick would have never thought she would have went to the Ozarks. Exactly. Nick knew a lot. Now he I know say the, the right things during the interview. He figured he her out his, pretty well. He knows his wife because they've spent this whole time manipulating each other. Is it kind of interesting, though, that he put the pieces together? I mean, is he that smart? I mean, the guy allows his student <laughs> no, to come he's not and smart. screw with it. He's not smart there. 
So how no. is he smart in figuring out what well, she had he done knows to him? That he didn't do it. I liked and how he... they put it all together when uh, Tanner arrives in uh, Missouri yeah. at the table, and they're, like, breaking it down from, like, day one. Right. He, and he figures it out. He is smart. He makes a lot of dumb decisions, but that's the whole yeah. parallels to Scott Peterson, where you have the mistress that is you don't want to talk, and then she comes out. I mean, it's right down the line. It's paralleled to that. Pretty amazing. What you said, Ken, is it's not easy to get away with this sort of thing. She didn't do just a fake murder plot. She combined a lot of things on top of each other that kind of made what would be considered a perfect storm. She knows about the missing white girl syndrome. Now you make that missing white girl pregnant and married, and you have the whole tale of the whole friend thing that she comes out and says that she was being abused. In the court of public opinion, he's screwed. But well, it's the evidence real easy. isn't helping him either. Right, and you have to think this is a small town, so what's going to happen is they're going to get overwhelmed because the amount of tips that are going to then start to come in, once this becomes nationwide, then the crap really hits the fan. And that's where you start to have this massive storm of people calling the police department, giving fake tips because they want to insert themselves into this investigation. It happens all the time. And so what she did was pretty brilliant. Let's say this little police department puts a a group of maybe six or seven officers along with them, and they make a task force for this particular case. The amount of tips that they're going to get once this goes nationwide could possibly be in the thousands. And now they're completely overwhelmed. So like the guy you're talking about in the casino, he calls, let's say he calls the tip line. It's real easy for that tip to get lost in the white noise that becomes this case. What she did was extraordinarily brilliant. It's one of those things that really doesn't happen in in real life. In today's day and age, it's not impossible to get away with murder, but it's harder than it's ever been in, in history. That's why this is such a fascinating movie, because of the way she's planned this all out, and it's why she's a sociopath. Less than a day to kind of figure this all out? Oh, she's, she's been, been doing thinking this, about for, this months. for months. Easily. No, she's I'm been talking planning... about with Dizzy. She oh, with Dizzy? Yeah, that one. She well, had a day no. to think about that. When she starts this all up, a little bit of time, like probably three or four days has went by, where she decides that she's going to go back to Nick. This is where it's not 100% that this is perfect, because we can find the holes, but... We're also looking at it from a 30,000-mile view of this and can see everything. Whereas if you put yourself in the people's position, it's real easy for this to just get caught right up. And the moment she comes back, oh, my God. Like, the the Nancy Grace lady is... Very well done, too. Oh, she's perfect. Yeah. Because she's not anticipating that she's going to get a live human being back because it never happens. It's always we end up getting the body. Bodies always turn up in these cases. They're not expecting the happy ending. And they give them the happy ending. And Nick even goes along with the happy ending. Nick goes along with the happy ending, not because he is screwed. I think he's going with the happy ending because he wants this relationship. That's what Margo accuses him of. Right. I think she's right. I don't know. You've got to be kind of... 
He knows that he's messed up because at the end when he, they announce that on the air that they're pregnant, he's got that yeah. oh kind of look on his face. But he has chosen to be with her. I'm sorry if my wife was that psychotic. I don't care if there was a pregnant baby involved. I'm out. I like the card we played earlier that Desi could be the father. It could possible. happen. It's kind very of, possible. I think, I unless think he tries to get a paternity test after the fact, which he did threaten to do. Well, he did threaten it. But she well, quashed that with, it makes sense that, hey, I, you know, we did this, the sperm bank, here we go. I don't know. And it didn't work with him before, mm-hmm. and now we're buying that it's working with him now, but then we have Desi, so maybe it, maybe it worked with him. So, we don't know how it ends, though. So it ends well, at, hey, it, we're pregnant. As far as not working before, that's all fuzzy, too, because she had been very clear that she didn't want kids. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What was she doing to prevent them from having kids? Was she telling him the truth? We, like, if, let's say they were on some sort of birth control. Was she telling him the truth that he, she wasn't taking it? Because she never went to the fertility doctor. He went, and they came back normal. But she refused to go. There's a lie right there. I go back to the thing where he says to her, we've been manipulating each other this whole time. But she also does say that even though they've been manipulating each other like that, there are things That's that he ma- brought out, brought out in her that she really liked. So no, her reaction, her next line to to that line is, "Well, that's marriage, right? If you want an indictment of something on this whole movie, this is about a as bleak of a view of a marriage, marriage yeah. <laughs> that you can possibly portray. It's dark." She's an interesting character. We haven't even really touched on the fact the psychology of what her parents, what her mom did to her by writing those books where it would take her failure or her disinterest in something. And then the book character who's named after her, just to take as an example, she didn't want to play the cello anymore. And then the book Amy becomes a virtuoso and is like... A prodigy. That is as messed up as possible. And one of the things that I read is the difference between the parents in the movie and the parents in the book. I guess the parents in the book are a lot more caring. The dad seemed pretty caring in here. I mean, he always seemed him. to be the guy but who's trying to be the, the middle guy to bring the mom and the right. daughter a little closer together. But her mom is, she's a stone cold hearted, just... Well, it's almost like she's selling the book when trying to find her her daughter. Amazing, oh, yeah. you know, dot yep. com or whatever. Tanner even before he leaves, he says something. There's going to be a lifetime movie, and there's going to be. He yeah. goes, "Oh, and don't for, don't forget the book deal." And he kind of knocks Ben Affleck's character on the on the shoulder. You just kind of wonder if. Amazing Amy, the book is going to come out from her mom. Interesting that uh, they didn't even show the parents. Like, they weren't there to say, our daughter's yeah, back. that and is weird. I also would have liked to seen Nick. He's back in his hometown. He's talking about his friends. We don't see any of his friends. We see his sister. Doesn't he have a best friend? He says that he has people that he hangs out with. But he's probably cheating on her. That's what he's doing. He's going out and he's sleeping around with uh, his <laughs> student. But we don't see anybody in his hometown know who he is the police don't know who he is he owns the bar they don't know anything i mean come on you're cops you don't know the owners of a bar especially a small town like that 
this is another part of the movie. This is just a personal thing. The movie is, does it very well. The bleakness of what it's like to to grow up on the Mississippi River in Missouri, Illinois. They look down upon it a lot. Her and family? The whole movie in general. They really play it that this is like the end of the world where they're coming to. I, I, I kind of take a little bit of offense They're renting a pretty that, nice house there in the end of the world. There's nice places to live where I grew up. But they really treat it like that this is the end of civilization. He probably did have a lot of friends, and his mom told him to be gracious to people, which is a very Midwestern type of a thing. But he also comes off as very aloof, that he's lived in New York, he had moved away and had had changed. It's been perfectly obvious that she has never assimilated into life in this part of the country. So if they didn't move down here, if they didn't, if they didn't lose their jobs, because she even says, and that was one of my lines, want to test the marriage, recession, lose your jobs. If they don't, that doesn't happen. They stay in New York. Does the facade of their marriage go for a, yes. a, a longer time? Much no. longer. They're, it goes until um, a problem hits. If his mom hadn't gotten sick when she did, they would have been divorced. Did she close off? When they went to Missouri, is that why yeah. he cheated? Because it sounds like on his narrative that he wanted a child to save their marriage. So it almost sounded like that she had already closed herself off to him based on his narrative, where her narrative is, well, he cheated on me because he was no longer interested in me. So you have the two different narratives and you have to choose a side on which ones you're going to believe. Right. And of course, as the movie goes on, you're leaning more on what he says it could also be false. It could be a combination they're, of the two. They're equally to blame for how things ended up. I mean, she resents him for taking him to... Or does he? That's right. <laughs> for, <laughs> he's so creepy. For taking her to the middle of nowhere is how she kind of describes it. He resents her for not making the best out of the situation and getting to know people and endearing herself to the family. Yeah, it's a combination of things. Had his mom not gotten sick... And had they not moved us to Missouri, they would have been divorced. The whole money thing is starting to get to them immediately. I like how Amy knows Nick and knows Nick well. Knows the fact that when a camera is on him, he gets nervous and has to smile because he doesn't know what else to do in front of a camera. That's why he smiles in front of the press there taking pictures. That's why he smiles with that lady, which we still haven't figured out why that lady was going to offer him that food She's, and wanted to take a picture with him. You know, what she is, is, is she is one of these parasite people who wants to just get themselves a bunch of likes on Instagram or on her Facebook page because she took a picture with somebody who's now, quote-unquote, relatively famous. This happened to Scott Peterson, too. I was just wondering if he was set up that was arranged because it that wouldn't, just happened. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. She was taking that to get clicks on her Instagram or on her Facebook page, but ultimately to send that off to that Abbott, who's the Nancy Grace stand-in. But as far as his smile, David Fincher approached Ben Affleck to do this movie because of that little wry smile that he gives right. in some of his movies. Where like a trademark, comes off yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of that, kind of that a-hole smile. The yeah. biggest problem that I have with this movie, it's really how long this movie is. When we find out 
that Amy has actually set this all up. We're only halfway through the movie. There's so much hour more to left go. to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just felt like this movie could have been a lot tighter. Did we really need to see a scene with his dad and taking his dad back? For me, I felt there was a that lot of things cut, that they could have cut. What that would have cut maybe two minutes off. No, of I understand that. But I, I felt like there's things that could have been a little bit tighter. The pacing of it seemed to really slow down at times. That scene that you're talking about there, that also adds color to his character. What that does is it kind of stems the avalanche of your feelings towards him. It shows that he has problems and that he is human too. Him and his sister talk about dad and how what dad did to the mom and things of that nature. So I don't know if I need that particular scene. I just feel like every scene is dragged out a little bit longer than it should, which adds time to it. I felt like this could have been done in a shorter period of time and i probably would have liked to see in a little bit more of a movie where we were still guessing if nick killed her or not i would have liked to see more like two-thirds of the movie be a question mark on that and then the last third be it all unraveling but it's like halfway through and then the other half is her dealing with everything that she has to do to try to keep it up i felt i was like man we're still watching this I don't hate the movie. I'm just saying this is my biggest problem is I just feel like it's a tad long. I can understand that to a certain extent, but I never got the feeling that it drug. I thought the pacing in the movie was actually really well done. Along with the pacing, I love the stereotypical what's become the Fincher look of the movie where it's Mm. the dulled blues and things like that. These three Um, movies definitely have a lot in common. You can definitely see the David Fincher uh, directorial style in this. Yeah, and I really like the Trent Reznor uh, score that goes along with it. I think it sets a really good mood, but I think the pacing of the movie works. Because I think when you get about halfway through, literally the floor is pulled out from underneath you as a viewer. It actually makes you more interested in the last half of the movie to find out exactly where this is going. And I remember sitting in the movie theater when she kills Desi, just literally being shocked, never thinking it was going to go that way. I particularly like that. I'm not shocked by it because I didn't know what you're going to be able to do with that character. Because when she hooked up with him, I thought he was going to kill her. I didn't think he was going to kill her, but I was sitting there thinking to myself, how is this going to end with Desi because of the fact that this wasn't part of the plan, so something's going to happen to Desi. Something has to happen to Desi. I thought that Des- this was Desi's opportune time for revenge. Everybody thinks she's dead already, and now he can take he out can whatever. Kill her. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's maybe exactly what I thought. Maybe was Maybe eventually happen. he would have, but we don't really know that because I never bought into the Eric's. Desi's a good guy. <laughs> well, now hold uh, on. I didn't say he's a good guy. I said he's not a predator. He's oh, a psycho. I, he's I got he's issues. Okay, we're not going to buy not a, that he's not a he's predator. He's a victim, obviously. <laughs> he's not a good guy, but he's not a predator. Yeah, he's... There you go, everyone. We um, can debate that one on Facebook. Is yes. uh, Neil Patrick Harris's character a predator or not? Or just Neil Patrick Harris in general. Well, if you I, think about it, he's one, the greatest actor of our generation. He's actually pretty good. I mean, he's, he's awesome. He's, yeah. All these actors are phenomenal here. I love oh, yeah. all of them. Ben Affleck, even yeah. though I said 
I am not the biggest fan. Over the years, I've changed that, though I don't believe he should be Batman ever again, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> it's funny you bring up Batman, because the character of Nick, his uh, body makeup changes throughout the movie, because he got the Batman role right during filming of this, yeah. and he had to start his Batman regimen. So there are parts of the movie where Nick is kind of uh, well. doughy. But then there's other parts of the movie where Nick, he's ripped. Buff, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's kind of a funny thing. But he does a great job here. He does a great job yes. of portraying somebody who doesn't know how to react into this situation. Because he is a man right. who wanted out of his marriage. He is a man that no longer loves his wife. But he does still worried about what happened to her. Well, on top of the he fact doesn't want her happened. dead. He doesn't he want doesn't her want dead, to go to jail. <laughs> But he doesn't know how to process or, that information, and that's no, why we yeah. see the nervous laugh. That's why we see him talk you know, about the Law & Order show and, and making awkward, funny comments here and there. I just love his portrayal. I, I really think he does a great job. And Rosamund Pike, she looks evil. You know, She might be the Hannibal Lecter of female villains. I mean, Do she is going to eat you? She definitely deserved her Academy Award nomination. I thought this movie was going to do better at the Academy Awards than it did. Could have at least won Best Adapted Screenplay, because as far as a movie adaptation from a book, this is about as good as you're going to find. Now, granted, you have a cast of actors here and a director that are of the highest order. That makes a real difference. But Ken's exactly right. Ben Affleck here is, he's almost perfectly cast because he can play that character. character. Yeah. Yeah, he plays an unlikable character that you kind of want to like. I mean, there's parts right. of him that you do like. He portrays that character perfectly because it's the flip-flop that we see how people relate to him throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. You like him, you love him, you hate him, you like him again. He portrays it perfectly because that's the emotions that we go through. There's a few movies of his that I've yet to watch, but I do more and more that I've been able to catch movies with him like this. I can see his, how good of an actor he is. I mean, and director, too. Man, director. he got stiffed in Argo. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Gone Baby Gone. If you haven't seen that movie, that movie is oh. is phenomenal. The only person I didn't like in this movie was that Patrick Fugit with the officer. Yeah, from James. Almost Famous. I didn't particularly care for his character because his character was just so one-dimensional. He just hated him from the start. And his reasoning, even when his wife came back and he was innocent, all he could say to him was, aren't you just happy your wife is back? It's like, he has dude. He has one of the funniest lines in the movie, though. After Nick goes to call the, his in-laws, and he looks at Detective Boney, and he goes, should I know what my wife's blood type, blood type, blood type is? is? Yeah. Right. And she no. just shakes I, I like that. That was but, a funny line. Um, everybody here is believable. It's a really amazing cast. Well done. Maybe casting. we should Definitely. lead into our reviews then. Ken, kick us off. So I have mixed reactions about this movie, and I've already shared a number of those things with y'all. I think the length of the movie is a little long for me. Even though I am not the true crime expert, and Ted is, I just don't buy some of the stuff, especially in the last third of the movie, especially after she kills Desi, how she's easily getting away with this. I feel like there needs to be more there that I can see to make me believe that she can get away with killing him. The fact that Nick visits Desi 
at his other home tells us that, of course, was she there? And then he transported her to the other area. And the thing that the, the video cameras are usually time stamped and all this stuff, it just didn't make sense to me. And I struggled with that the first time around. And the second time around, I felt like I was getting a little bit more frustrated. I still think it's a good movie. The casting is great. The acting is brilliant. I love this director because when you watch one of his movies, you know he directed it. It just has a certain feel to it that is kind of like a trademark. It's like a hallmark of his movies. I'm teetering between a B- and a B. I'm going to give it a B because the actors are so good in this movie that they make me want to watch it again. So I do see myself watching this movie again down the road. Kudos to the actors and the director here. The characters I really truly believe, even though the premise of the movie is far-fetched, they sell it. Okay. Well, for me, I kind of agree with you. The movie goes a little long. There's a few things that could probably be cut out. The movie's about uh, two hours, 30 minutes, I believe. I think it's an incredible movie. I think uh, David Fincher is uh, an incredible director, and this is definitely right up there with some of his best. The acting in this movie is incredible. The plot is incredible. Just the breakdown of everything, all the details, how everything flows. The movie takes you in probably three or four different directions. It just completely throws you in reverse sometimes where you're not expecting it to, to go in a direction. And I love these kind of movies. And I haven't seen this movie in quite some time. And I'll be honest, it was a pleasure to watch it again. The only thing that really kind of upsets me about it, and unfortunately this uh, might be a David Fincher characteristic of his uh, directing I don't like the ending on this movie. I don't like how it's wide open. Is he leaving it for a sequel? Probably not. But I think we could have went a little deeper into the post-abduction relationship past uh, the announcement of the baby. I think it's one of those, uh, you know, fade to black moments there. And I just didn't think it worked for this. So that's the really only negative that I see in this movie. The length is a little long, but I'm willing to overlook that. I'm really glad we watched this movie, and I will definitely watch it again. And this movie, for me, is a solid B-plus all day. Ted, what are your thoughts? One of the reasons that really pushed Ken to get into podcasting is my love of true crime. When this movie hits everything for me as far as that goes, whether it be Sword and Scale or Generation Y, True Crime Garage, Small Town Murder, I love all of this, the true crime genre, and I love how this movie takes this, the whole mentality and idea and just elevates it to a whole new level. And David Fincher, he makes amazing movies, almost art type movies, where you're going to see something you've not seen before when you walk into a David Fincher movie. This movie is so well acted. The twists and the turns in this movie make it so rewatchable. It's not one of those cases where if you've seen it, that it's completely ruined for you. Where some movies that have a major twist at the end, once you've seen it, you kind of lose interest again. That's not the case with this movie, especially if for me at least. I get sucked into the movie every time. That's a testament to this movie. This movie, for me, is definitely one of David Fincher's best. 
I think that we've chosen a little snapshot of David Fincher's movies in Seven and Fight Club and now Gone Girl. This shows also his evolution of filmmaking. This movie for me lands a solid A-. minus. It's not as fun for me as Seven is, and Seven is a complete A for me. But this is a movie that I'll watch again and again. I will say this with what Eric just said and what you just said. I think it is a hallmark of his, most of his movies, at least the ones that we just reviewed, that he does leave things open-ended. I mean, we see Seven. We don't know what really happens with Brad Pitt's character after he kills Kevin Spacey's character in, in Seven. We we see him in the in the car and driving away. And, and then in Fight Club, we, we see the buildings coming down. We see the characters holding hands, but we don't know what happens to them after the fact. It kind of goes fade to black. And we get the same thing here. So I think it's just the way he does things. He likes to put things from his old movies into his newer movies just to kind of as an homage to their character. So I think he has a style and it's a very good style. We were talking about how Quentin Tarantino, there's a reason why Tarantino does things in the movie and there's always a payoff. I really believe that's more so Hero Fincher. I really think he's more of that. When he puts something in the movie, there's a, a reason for it. It have, may have nothing to do with this movie. It might have to do with another movie. There's tons of Easter eggs. And if and I would tell you to, to challenge yourself, if you like his movies, to go online and find those Easter eggs. Or go or watch the movies and find the Easter eggs. Or, or go online, if you're lazy enough like me, and hear about what where the Easter eggs are in his movies. Because I think they're brilliant. The endings of the movies <laughs> almost leave you with a dystopian ending. It's an ending, but... It's a bleak ending. It's not the ending <laughs> you, know, you may not may want, right? It's, right, right, it's, exactly. And it's kind of bleak. Even a movie we didn't cover here, but we may in the future, the, the social network, it has one of those kind of bleak type endings as well. It, indeed and, it does. Um, and that's a podcast for another day. Mm-hmm. All right. And on that note, thank you everybody for listening to this episode of Hooked on Movies. Ken, what uh, can we look forward to next? Well, it'll be our Christmas episode. It's the 1946 Frank Capra movie starring Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. It's a Wonderful Life. And if you haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life, you are clearly not American. Or human. Or human at that point. Or don't own a TV set in the last Or you're blind. I don't know. Yes. I mean, everyone, I think at one point or another, at least if they haven't seen the movie, have seen a chunk of it or something. So that's going to be... By accident. You would see this movie by accident if you own a TV set. Exactly. Especially around December. We look forward to uh, reviewing that one and bringing it to you. Ted, where can they find us out there on Twitter? We can be found on Twitter at hooked on underscore movies and of course you can find us on whatever podcasting platform you use whether it be apple spotify good pods anchor we're available on all those places and if you have the opportunity give us a five-star rating we do read all of the reviews and we like all the feedback that we do And Ken, I've seen some great uh, articles posted on our Facebook page, some uh, movies coming up uh, in the uh, production realm here for the next year or two. We'll definitely try to keep you all updated with certain type of movies and what's going on. And and usually the week uh, that we release a a movie, we'll try to uh, give you uh, fun tidbits of those movies, maybe some things that we left out, maybe some things that are in the podcast itself. So please join us. Uh, it's easy to find us, Hooked on Movies. Join our, our Facebook group and enjoy the discussion. All right. 
Well, again, everybody, thank you for listening. And as always, I'm not wearing any pants, and it's very true today, film at 11. See you at the movies. See you next time on Hooked on Movies.